Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. Good to see you all. Uh, What a beautiful day, isn't it? Yeah, man, I love this weather. This is like the best. This is like why we live here, right? Uh, God is good all the time. Amen? Amen. Uh, Well, let me talk to you about my wedding night. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I hear that. Amen. Um, Tonight's message is called uh, Increasing Intimacy. Uh, My other working title was The Key to Intimacy. Let me tell you about the time I lost the key to intimacy. So uh, my wife and I, we grew up uh, knowing each other as, at a young age. We're three years apart. You've probably heard this story. But you know, when she's eighth grade and I'm in high school, that's weird. You know, so we didn't date until I had graduated from college. And Kristen was an RA, and she said she'd given up dating. You know, she's going to date Jesus is all. And then we meet at my sister's wedding again. And I was like, oh, hey, Kristen grew up. So we started to hang out. One thing leads to another, we get engaged. Well, during this whole process of dating, we're figuring out, like, getting to know each other, intimacy, you know, uh, we're, we're getting physical, we're kissing, but we decided, for us, we wanted to, you know, uh, keep things pure, and so we waited uh, to have um, sex before we got married. And so we're waiting, and we, we're waiting for the wedding night, and we're, we're there, and so we get married, it's a fun party, and uh, I had a couple good friends who were my uh, ushers. I'd grown up with them. And so I'd sent them ahead of me to our hotel room that night and said, hey, can you like decorate it, make it special, some roses, some candles? It's going to be a really special night. So they went down and decorated it for us. Well, all of a sudden, I kept thinking, like, Darren and Ben, they're smart, but maybe not the smartest guys. Like, what if they lit the candles? And now... This is a couple hours later. Like, what if, like, we burned down the hotel? So I'm in the back of my mind. I'm, like, worried about this. So we get to the hotel, and I was like, hey, babe, let me go in and make sure everything's okay. So she's outside in the hallway. I go in to make sure, like, nothing's on fire, right? And nothing is. They didn't light the candles, so that was good. But it looked great. I'm like, oh, yes, perfect. The hotel room looks all good. I, like, clean out my pockets, put things down. So now I'm going to carry her in across the threshold, right? Like, that's, like, the romantic thing. Wedding night, you're carrying your bride in. And as I pick her up to carry her in, I go to open the door and realize the door is locked. I had literally left the key to intimacy inside our hotel room. So we had to, I had to go down to the front desk, get another key to uh, get in for our wedding night. And that's all I'm going to talk about that night. Uh, but what happens when you literally misplace uh, the key to intimacy. Uh, that's a funny story, but I think, again, all of us want and desire intimacy. Like, even when I say that word, like, maybe you have different preconceived ideas. Uh, intimacy really is this idea of just being known, being loved, being accepted. It can apply to friendship, um, it can apply to marriage, it can also apply to our relationship with God. It's saying, hey, you see me who I am, and you love me, and you accept me. Uh, you know, kind of a, a thing speakers like to say, you know, it's into me, see. That's intimacy, right? It's you're seen into me. 
not just maybe the walls I put up in front of others. We all kind of have maybe just a, just kind of a, a little bit of a facade. We keep people at arm's length for the most part, right? Like, we, we, we don't always talk about our wedding night in front of strangers, right? And, but then there are people we have, we let in. And that's that intimacy that we all want and desire. I think all of us have this desire to be known by God, to know God, to, to feel close to him. And then, and so, so what do we do? How do we pursue that? How do we pursue intimacy with our spouse, those who are married? How do we pursue intimacy with friends and just have some people in our lives? That's what I want to dive in today as we continue our journey through the book of Genesis. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis 39 and, uh, or on your phones. But as you're doing that, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to dive into God's word this morning. God, I thank you that you are here in this place. And wow, what, what peace there is in the name of Jesus. And it's not just the name, it's, it's your presence, it's your spirit. So I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would be here in this place. And that every person would just sense that you love them so, so much. And in, in spite of the ways that we are imperfect and broken and flawed, you see all that and yet you still pursue us, you still love us. So God, I pray that there, if there's just some stresses, anxieties, worries, fears, just whatever it is, God, we could release that over to you and then we could receive your love, your joy, your peace. In your name we pray, amen. Well, again, we're continuing our study through the book of Genesis. Last week, we met the 17-year-old kid, Joseph. He's his daddy's favorite son, and his 10 older brothers didn't like that. So they threw him into a pit, and they sold him off into slavery. And he goes from Israel, uh, Jerusalem area, Palestine, down into Egypt. These uh, slave traders take him all the way down. That's where we're picking up our story. So the 17-year-old kid been beaten up thrown into a pit, probably dragged behind some slave traders that are his like third, fourth cousins. They take him down to Egypt. Uh, Genesis 39, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, again, those are like his third, fourth cousins, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So Joseph, again, grew up as the favored son, but after his brothers beat him up, threw him in a pit, he's now a slave in a foreign land. But here's the beautiful thing. In spite of all this, in spite of being beaten up, in spite of being thrown into a pit, in spite of now living in a foreign land, God is with him. In all these things, that God is with him. And here's the beautiful truth, that those of us who are believers in Jesus, the Bible tells us that we have God's spirit, his Holy Spirit in us. And that no matter where we go, wherever we're going through, that God is with us. So today, that's one of the beautiful promises you can hold on to. Whatever it is you're going through, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God is with you. His spirit is with you. And a lot of times we like to invite God into this place or, into, in, you know, or we go to different places. Uh, Matt and I were just up at Trout Lake Camp with our boys for Father Center Treats. And I love the tagline there, a meeting place with God. And it is, it's a great place to meet with God. But sometimes we feel like there's different places. It's, 
may be easier, but the truth is God is with us all the time, right? Whether or not we feel it, whether or not we believe it, God is with you, and he loves you. And so that's the truth we can hold on to. So despite the uncertainty Joseph is going through, God is still with him. In spite of the fact that as far as we know, God is never going to speak to Joseph. Uh, He doesn't have God's word. He doesn't have the church. He doesn't have a community group. In spite of all that, God is with him. We've taken notes. You can write this first blank down, though, that our uncertainty is not evidence of God's inactivity. This is really the big idea from last week. But our uncertainty isn't evidence of God's inactivity. That even though it seems like God may not be working, even though we're not sure what is going on, God is still working. God is still active. Uh, Verse 3. It says, Potiphar noticed this, that everything was succeeding under Joseph, and realized that the Lord is with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So Moses, our author, uh, he's writing down this story. And I always think it's just really good to remember Moses is writing to former slaves that are coming out of, of Egypt now uh, into the promised land. He's telling them the story about kind of their history. And Moses, he's a brilliant storyteller. So he's kind of set up the backstory to this. Everything's going well with Joseph. And now the story really turns right here. He says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Now, this is the only time in the Bible, as far as I could tell, uh, that the Bible describes a young man as handsome and well-built. So he must have been very handsome, very well-built. Joseph did CrossFit. You know, I don't know what it is. Uh, and, and so, you know, but, uh, I mean, believe me, though, when you're incredibly good-looking, it's not always a blessing, right? Can I get an amen? Uh, and so what we're going to see here, uh, Genesis 39, verse 7, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. All right, so this right here, though, this is a defining moment in Joseph's life. He's away from his mom and dad. He's away from his family. He's away from his nation. From everybody he knows, he has no church. He has no community group. He could easily think to himself, well, I guess I have to sleep with this real wife of Egypt, right? Like, I'm a slave. I have to do what she's asking me to do. If I don't, I could get in trouble. And besides, who's going to know? My God has abandoned me. Like, why should I do what's right and, and, and refuse this? But this is probably one of the most important decisions of his life. And so what does he do? Verse 8, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. First thing I want us to see here is that resisting temptation is a daily battle. Every day, this woman, this wife of his master, is pressuring him. Come on, no one's going to know. Come on, sleep with me. You know, she's probably beautiful, she she's, it has power, all these things. And day after day after day, Joseph has to say no. It's not just a one-time thing. Every day, he resists temptation. I'm guessing there's something like that in your life. That there's something 
that you know every time you open up your phone, you resist that temptation to look at something you know you shouldn't look at. That maybe for you, it's someone you work with that you know, you know, if you just said the word, they'd sleep with you. Or maybe for you, it's every day they're resisting the temptation to take the edge off at night and have a drink. And you know, if you have a drink, that's going to lead to two and you're not going to be at your best and you're not functioning the way God wants you to be. Maybe for you, it's just the pull of consumerism and greed, honestly. And it's like, hey, you know what? Instead of developing healthy relationships and healthy things in my life, I want that hit of dopamine that comes when I buy something I don't really need. And so, but if you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to give in to that. <laughs> I'm going to resist that temptation. You, every day you have to resist that. Whether it's looking at something you shouldn't be looking at, having a drink when you know you shouldn't, uh, you know, just buying something that you know you don't need. Whatever that temptation is, we have to resist temptation every single day. I think sometimes we think we face these temptations and it's like it's a one-time thing. If I just say no, then I'm good. But resisting temptation is a daily thing. But here's the great thing. God is with you. This isn't just try harder, do better. That's not the way of Jesus. It's not just, hey, you got to be strong and, and develop more perseverance. And, you know, it's no, no, no. We can't do this on our own. But if we reach out to Jesus and, and acknowledge he's with us, hey, I need your help in this. And then also, we have a, some, a gift that Joseph doesn't have. We have the Bible, and we have Christian community, his church, Jesus' church. And so when you're resisting temptation every day, it's not just about your willpower. It's about saying, hey, believing and knowing just like Joseph, God is with Joseph. God is going to be with you. And you have these wonderful blessings that Joseph didn't have. God's word that you can turn to. You have his Holy Spirit. And you have the church community. Now, you'd think God is going to bless Joseph for saying no again and again and again, right? That's what we think, right? Right? We resist temptation. God's going to bless us. All going to be good. Verse 11. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from her house. If you have your Bibles, I'm not in that word, run, that we need to not just walk away from sin, we need to run from sin. The Apostle Paul writes it this way in 1 Corinthians 6.18 as he's writing to one of the church plants. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Run from this. Leave it behind. We need to run from temptation. Don't see how close you can get to the line. How much can you flirt with that coworker? You know, it's just okay. Run. Don't flirt with disaster. Uh, you know, uh, if you have a coworker who can't keep her hands off you, you might need to leave that job. If the temptation of watching something you shouldn't watch is too strong, run. Get rid of Netflix. Cut cable. Uh, you know, if, if, if the temptation to, to buy something you don't need to get that hip of dopamine, but you know you're really giving in to consumerism or greed, whatever that is, like cancel Amazon Prime so you don't have free shipping. Whatever it is you need to do, it may cost you something. People may be like, why don't you have Netflix? Why don't you have Amazon Prime free shipping? Why did you leave that job? It's just one drink. It's not a big deal, right? Because so often in our culture, we, we just like, we want to see how close we can get to the line. Instead of saying, hey, no, 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 no. I know who I am. I need some boundaries. I got to run from this. And if people think something of me, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
Joseph knew he needed to run from this sexual sin. And here's the thing. We can't let sin come in and pollute our lives, our marriages, our friendships. Number three, if you're taking notes, that purity paves the way to intimacy. This is something I've talked about many times, and I believe so strongly in this. Purity paves the way to intimacy. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus tells it this way. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Psalm 51, uh, King David, he, he writes it this way. One of the prayers, he says, create in me a pure heart, O God. Uh, another one of his psalms, you know, give us clean hands. Give us pure heart. This, this goes back kind of to the old Puritan pietism, right? Where uh, it's kind of come out of fashion now to talk about purity and, and, and wanting to, to live a clean life. But that really shouldn't go out of fashion, amen? Like to say, no, hey, we're going to reject these things of the world because even though, even though it may not be sin yet, to say, hey, I'm going to put some guardrails in, right? Guardrails are really good because where the guardrail is, like there's still road, right? Usually where the guardrail is, like you could still drive a little closer to the edge, but that guardrail keeps us from going too close to the edge. So we may need some things in our lives that are guardrails to say, you know what? Yeah, I could go over here. I could do that. I could watch that. I could spend time with that person. But you know what? It's going to keep me from going over the edge. Uh, there's something called the Billy Graham rule. And uh, Billy Graham, if you don't know, he, he, evangelist, I think he shared the gospel probably more with anyone than anyone in history. And he had what was called the Billy Graham rule, that he would never be alone with a woman who wasn't his wife. And so if he was in an elevator and, and it was just him and a woman came on, he'd step off the elevator. Like, just whatever situation is, because he never wanted to even come close to, to um, doing something he knew he would regret. And honestly, he knew the devil's out to get him. He's got a target on his back. So he's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep these high guardrails up. Well, nowadays, I have a lot of pastor friends, and they really rip on the Billy Graham rule. And they think it's old-fashioned. They think it's silly, how outdated, um, you know, it, 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 that it's anti-women. And I'm like, no, you can still have friendships with women. You can still do ministry with women, like just, you know, not being alone with them, right? There's different ways you can live this out. And regardless, that was his own personal conviction. So whatever it is that you feel like God's calling you to do, those guardrails, you may take some heat for it. People may be like, why are you doing that? Hey, because this is what I know I need to do to have purity in my life. Again, purity can mean lots of different things. I think, again, just, you know, of a stream, uh, you know, uh, the difference between a pure one and one that's really clogged up. We live close by here, to, by Elm Creek, uh, Elm Creek and Rice Lake. And there's just a massive difference when you see the running water at Rice Lake. And around this time of the year, Elm Creek, it's really clogged. It's dirty. It's the opposite of pure, right? Like, it's still water, but it's nasty. It smells. Compare that to, like, when we got to the Rocky Mountain National Park uh, and you see the clear running streams. Like, man, that's what we want, right? We want our hearts, our lives to be that clear stream, purity, not polluted with stuff uh, that's going to get in the way. So here's some practical things. If you're single, if you're not married yet, one of the best ways you can pave the way to having great intimacy in your marriage is to stay pure and to run from sexual sin. Now, what that looks like is establish clear guidelines in your dating life. 
Say, hey, here's where our line is going to be with being alone, uh, with, with, with physical intimacy, all these things. And I, I think have that conversation, seek Jesus about it, pray about it together, and have very open conversations about it. And how to protect both your body and your emotions by honoring God's plan for sex in your life. If you're married and you want to develop deeper intimacy, you know, get rid of any kind of pornography, romance novels, flirting with people you know you shouldn't be flirting with. You're going to be paving the way to have greater intimacy in your marriage. If you want greater intimacy in life, then I want to encourage you to pursue purity. Now, again, that may look different for different people. And this is where you need to lean into the Holy Spirit. Like, this is what the journey with God is. It's not the same for each and every one of us. If you're saying, God, I want to pursue purity for you, that may look like God, in it, through his Holy Spirit, or through trust people saying, you know what, I don't want you to listen to this kind of music anymore. Not that it's sin, but you know what, it, it's getting in the way of, of a pure heart. Or to watch these kind of shows. Or to read these kind of books. Or to hang out with these kind of friends. I don't know what that might be in your life, right? But my parents taught me, there was, we had an old Christian a musical, Kobe, the Christian computer. Everyone remember Kobe, the Christian computer? Yeah, I'm the only one. Yep, yeah, yeah, like not many, it's like, what? No, but this Christian computer taught us input, output, right? Like, it is true. What we put in is going to flow out. And if you're just consuming garbage, whether it's social media or what you watch or what you listen to or the podcasts, that's going to affect your vertical relationship with God. It, it's just the truth of things. So again, I'm not going to be up here and saying like, hey, you know, don't ever go to movie theaters or don't play cards or don't ever have a drink or th- these things, right? We can try to make man-made rules, but really what I believe is seek God's scriptures. Lean into your community group. You know, have a few trusted friends that, you, you know, you do a Bible study with or you take walks with. Uh, seek the Holy Spirit and have some good conversations. Hey, I want greater intimacy with God. And I've realized maybe there's some things in my life that is preventing that. So how can I create, how can I pursue more purity in my life? And have some conversations about that this week in your, in your community groups, uh, you know, hang out with friends. Again, that's going to look differently f- for all of us. Uh, but purity really does pay, uh, pave the way to intimacy in our friendships, in our marriages, with God. Uh, Genesis 39, verse 13. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave that you brought here into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Just pause here real quick. Not every accusation is true. It's good. What we need to do as Christ followers, as a church, is that when someone brings an accusation to pursue it, what Potiphar should have done here this moment is, what happened here? Can we investigate? Is this true? Is this not? And, and, and to see, uh, again, sometimes this happens. Um, I, was, I was talking with um, one of the leaders in our denomination and, and this weekend, and he was sharing just 
a hard situation in one of our, our, our churches that uh, one of the pastors has been accused of something that his daughter, who has some special needs, um, confessed that the dad had uh, abused him to a school counselor, but the school counselor is very anti-church, and so they don't know, did, did the school counselor coerce the daughter into saying this? Is it real? Is it true? But it's like, we can't just dismiss it out of hand. We need to investigate it, but also not just believe it outright. That's the right thing to do, is to take accusations seriously, to say what happened here, but what does Potiphar do? Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. For the second time, Joseph is thrown into a pit. I mean, this young man's life, like he keeps trying to just pursue God to do the right thing, and he's gone from slave to, you know, respected servant, and now he's in prison. This is like the lowest of the lows. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Again, we don't always do this, but the Hebrew word right there is chesed. Uh, you can say it with a little something in your throat. It's chesed. It's your, his faithful love, his loyal love. We're going to come back to that. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I think, again, if you have your Bibles, underline that the Lord was with him. In spite of the fact, that, again, that Joseph is not in his home country anymore. In fact, in spite of the fact he's been falsely accused, he's been thrown into jail. All these things, the Lord is with him. And I want you to know, Jesus is with you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever uncertainty you're facing, whatever grief you're facing, whatever good things in life, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Well, why is this such a big deal? Well, I believe, this is Eric, that if Joseph had slept with Potiphar's wife, I believe millions of people would have starved to death. I think God would not have raised him up into the position of leadership that Joseph is going to be raised up into. Now again, we can second guess God's providence, all these things, but in that moment... Joseph had no idea what the stakes truly were. That, am I going to honor God or am I going to give in to this temptation? The stakes were so high. I think if he had not run from sexual temptation, his life would have taken a dramatically different turn. Who knows? Maybe he starts sleeping with her, Potiphar finds out, Potiphar kills him, God raises up someone else. Again, we don't know providence and all these things, but... At the end of the day, Joseph didn't know what the stakes were in this one private encounter. See, God's plan for intimacy, sexual intimacy, is to be between a husband and a wife. And I know, again, this is like something we don't talk about in our culture now, but this is what I believe God's word says. Sex is amazing and powerful, but outside the boundaries of covenant relationship of marriage, it's extraordinarily destructive, 
like an out-of-control fire that can consume a house in no time. Now, I think a lot of churches and youth groups sometimes, that's where they just stop talking about sex. They just talk about the boundaries. But God's desire is also that a husband and wife would have an amazing, passion-filled, intimate sexual relationship with each other. God wants you, as a married couple, to have great sex. If you think that's not important in your marriage, it is. It's one of the most important parts. It's just the truth of it. Here's the thing, is we need to be pursuing a romantic, intimate relationship with our spouses. You need a regular date night with your spouse. And you may be saying, we can't do this. Figure out a way to make it happen. You know, drop off the kids at someone in your community group's house and, and trade nights. Um, uh, you know, you, you stay in, in your house if you're like, we can't afford it. You know, hey, can I drop off my kids at your house for two hours so we can, you know, have a, a date night inside the house? Whatever it is, it's something we all need to do. Married couples, try to get away whenever, like, once a year if possible. If financially you're able to do it more, do it quarterly. Like, just you and your spouse getting away, just reconnecting away from the stresses of all life. You need to date, guys, date your wife. Wives, reach out and pursue your husbands. The enemy does not want you to have a flourishing marriage. He's going to do whatever he can to prevent you from coming to church together from coming to community group together, from having a date night, from connecting regularly uh, uh, in your marriage uh, face-to-face. But these are the things Jesus wants for us, though. He wants you to have a flourishing marriage. See, I love fire. I think it's a phase most guys go through for about 80 or 90 years. Like, we all just love burning fire, right? And the fire is so good. Like uh, last night, we're up at Trout Lake Camp, and there's a fire there, and it's dark, and it provides light and warmth, and the kids are, are cooking s'mores, and we're just laughing because it was like so many of the kids were like running up to their dads, Dad, I just cooked the most perfect s'more ever. Dad, I cooked the most, and everyone was cooking perfect s'mores. I don't know what it was. It was like, like a beautiful night of fire, right? The problem isn't the fire. Fire is not good, though, when it's raging through a forest, right? The problem is the location of the fire, this beautiful thing that brings light and warmth and heat becomes extraordinarily destructive when it's not in the proper boundaries. I have this friend, Mark, and a number of years ago, his teenage son left a candle burning in his room while he fell asleep. Well, that candle burned down, lit his room on fire. His sibling is home, fortunately woke him up. They got outside just in time, but the whole house was burned down completely. They lost everything. Pretty much every memory. Like fire is destructive. They could rebuild, but it's not the same. Same thing in our lives. When this beautiful thing that God intended to be in the boundaries of covenant marriage, if it gets outside, it can burn it all down. You can try to rebuild it, but it's not going to be the same. Sex outside of covenant relationship of marriage is dangerous. Now, Again, you can get upset at me, but God created sex, and so I believe he gets to set the boundaries, right? It's like he created all the animals and the sun and the moon and the stars, and then I think when he created Adam and Eve and he said, angels, come look at this. Look how beautiful and amazing this is. I think the angels are like, I wish I was a human, right? Like it's a beautiful, wonderful, mysterious thing that God created, but he gets to set the boundaries for this. And he said, this is meant to be in these boundaries, Tim Keller is an amazing, uh, uh, he just passed away, uh, author, pastor. And uh, 
influenced tons of people. He talks all about, about this idea of sex in marriage. And he says, it's not that Christians um, devalue sex or are afraid of it or we're prudes. We have a higher value on it. That in the hookup culture of today, where it's just finding an app and just hooking up with someone, and, and so much of our culture has divorced this physical act from anything emotional or a spiritual connection. He says, no, 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 we think this is such a high thing, that it's such a beautiful gift of God, that we're saying, this should only happen when you're able to emotionally be completely open and transparent with someone, that then physically you can be that same way. Because otherwise, you're just giving yourself away without any kind of commitment with that person um, uh, that you're doing this with. And little by little, you're just giving pieces of yourself away. And so, again, God wants us to have a thriving sex life, to be intimate with our spouses, but these are the boundaries that he puts it in. I think going on to just friendship. Again, you look at the God that we love and serve He's three in one, Father, Son, Spirit. And and it's hard to wrap our brains around how can God be one and three persons, but one, but three persons. We don't worship three gods, we worship one God. We don't worship one God who became Jesus, who became the Holy Spirit. Jesus has always existed all of time. Holy Spirit has always existed, right? The Father is not the Son, who's not the Spirit. Three in one, what does that mean? They have enjoyed perfect friendship for all of eternity past and all of future. Why did they create us? To invite us into friendship. And their desire is that we would also have intimate friendships, just like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, where they know, they love the, the, each other. There's mutual submission there, right? The, the, that's what he desires for us. And again, I think if that's our hope, if we want those kind of friendships, what can, do we need to get out of our lives to clear the way, sort of, so that there can be purity in our friendships. Uh, you know, maybe it's clearing the air. Uh, you know, maybe, again, you've got some habit of, like, a good friend, and the only way you know how to connect is, you know, over, you know, beer and wings or something like that. And, and so that's the only time you connect. Or I don't know what it is. But I believe, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, maybe there's some things, kind of like clearing a stream of the debris, like you need to clear things out to allow some purity in that relationship. And then the same thing with God. If you want that purity and that relationship with God, what are the things that are getting in between you and him? Again, it's not not always going to be sin. It can just be some good things that right now it's not the right time. It's just just not the right thing. Let's go back to Genesis 39, verse 21. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his chesed, his faithful love. You can also put his loyal love. It's a Hebrew noun. A few hundred years later, if we fast forward the story of the people of Joseph, and they, get, uh, they grow to, to a huge nation, and then they are, become slaves, and they let out of slavery and bondage into the promised land, and God shows up to Moses, their deliverer, and when God introduces himself fully, one of the ways he describes himself is with chesed, with this overflowing with loyal love. Exodus 34, 6. It says it this way, the Lord passed before and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in chesed, in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is actually the Bible verse that's the most quoted verse in other parts of scripture from the Old Testament. 
It's clear that the description of God is core to the biblical understanding of who he is. When God says, who am I? Five quick facts about who I am. God says, this is who I am. I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm slow to anger, and I abound in chesed, in loyal love, in steadfast love, and faithfulness. This occurs 245 times in the Hebrew Bible. And it assumes this kind of pre-existing relationship that's already been here. Uh, it refers to the actions that demonstrate loyalty in that relationship, to preserve, to protect, to make it flourish. Uh, about two years ago, we went through the story of Ruth. And it's this beautiful story where Naomi and her husband, because of, of a famine, they moved to Moab, this foreign country. And then uh, Naomi loses her husband. And then her sons are married, but she loses one son. Then her next son, she releases her daughter-in-laws, right? But one, Ruth, says, no, no, no. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And at the end of that book, the way people describe Ruth's relationship to her mother-in-law, Naomi, is she showed great chesed, great loyal love. I love that picture of that. Uh, Another story of David and Jonathan. David is anointed to be king. Saul's the current king. Saul's son is Jonathan. He's the crown prince, right? There should be great animosity between Jonathan and David. But Jonathan doesn't care. He doesn't care about the throne. He loves David. He goes out of his way to protect David, to show loyal love to David. David, Jonathan shows chesed to David. These are the kind of stories that illustrate who our God is. That he's on our side. He's showing faithfulness to us. And one of the best examples of this chesed is found in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Again, our church planner Paul is writing this one of his church plans. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, our enemy. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts, giving in to sin. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, and I love the ESV says this, but God, one of the best two words right here, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is the idea of chesed, that We were hopeless. We were living lives of sin. We were far from God. We were polluted. We were deserving of wrath, but God showed faithful love to us. God's ultimate act of chesed and his loyalty to his covenants made to Abraham, Noah, David are embodied in Jesus. Jesus came to receive and show God's chesed and to restore the partnership between God and humanity. If you want to know what God is like, what does it mean that God uh, is full of loyal love? We just look at Jesus. Jesus shows us who God is. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. That is good news. Amen. And in spite of all that we go through, in spite of all the ways we mess up and we don't measure up and, and we let people down, God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins, that every time we mess up, Jesus has paid for that. 
Every time we, we hurt someone when we don't mean to or even if we mean to, Jesus paid for that on the cross. And we know that that Jesus loves us so, so, so much. And those of us who are followers of Christ, he's put his spirit in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you and me now. And now we can walk in victory. We can walk in authority. And I want you to know you can have power over these things in your life that you know you need to get rid of. Not because of your own willpower, but because God is with you. Jesus has died for you and his spirit is living in you. Amen? So I hope that is good news to you. That it's not the message of do better, try harder, be more pure. It's no, God has a better way for you. He showed it through Jesus. Jesus loves you. His loyal love is with you. He has given you his spirit. And he's given you his church. He's given you his word. So coming out of here, as a wrap up, what do you need to do next? What is it? I can't tell you what that is, but seek the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you, pray Psalm 51. Create in me, O God, a clean heart. And ask him, what does that mean? God, is there something in my life that I know I need to get rid of? It may not be sin. It just may be for this season, I need to cut this thing out. What's getting between you and God? What's getting between you and other friendships? What's getting between you and your spouse for those of us who are married? Let's take the hard steps with Jesus' help to walk in purity, to walk in holiness, and not to say, how close can we get to the line? But no, 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 let's live pure hearts with clean hands. Let's show the love of Jesus and let's show to others, man, this loyal love, this good God who is so, so good that he, he's shown us on the cross that he's always there for us. And the story of Joseph reflects that. We're gonna see that wherever Joseph went, God was with him. And whatever you're going through, God is with you as well. So I want to encourage you, get, get into community. Uh, most of you guys have jumped into group. If you're not in, get in one. We have lots of different community groups. And if that doesn't work, then find some people in your life that you can get with on a regular basis to be honest with. I hope you have someone in your life that you can have an honest conversation and say, you know what, I need to make a tough decision, and you know what, I need to cut alcohol out from my life. Hey, I need to cut all social media out of my life. Hey, I need to cut you know, Amazon out of my life or Target. I don't know what it is for you. But you've got to have someone that you can lean into and have that conversation that can help keep you accountable, that can uh, be there uh, for you. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then the worship band's going to come up and lead us in last, one last song. God, thank you for the story of Joseph and the ups and downs and, and, and just the, the twists and turns. And in spite of all the uncertainty, God, you are still there with him. So God, I pray right now that we would know that you are with us in the good times and the bad times and the hard times. And God, I also pray right now that each and every one of us, God, we would pray Psalm 51, that you would create in us a, a, a clean heart. Uh, God, that we, we, would, uh, we would ask you, are there things in our life that we need to change? Um, just things that we know aren't the best for us? Maybe it's cutting out certain TV shows or music or podcasts or, or social media. I don't know what that is, but God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to everyone this week. God, that we, we would pursue purity, we would pursue holiness. And God, I pray that this week, everyone here would experience greater intimacy with you. 
I pray that their prayer times would be more rich. That their time in the word, God, would just, your word would leap out to them. Just, uh, just how much you love them and, and the spiritual truths you want to uh, give to them. God, I pray that this week, uh, uh, the spiritual gifts in our lives, God, that we would we, we'd pursue those. We'd walk in, in those gifts that you've given us. God, that we would just we'd sense and know that you are with us. We, we'd feel you with us. God, for those of us who are parents, I pray tonight and tomorrow night as we, as we tuck our kids in bed, as we, as we pray over them, God, give us the words to say to just uh, to teach them to walk in purity and holiness and, and to pursue an intimate relationship with, with you. I got, God, I pray that as parents, we would model that. God, for those of us who are married, I, I pray that we would get rid of anything in our lives uh, that, that is getting in the way of, of intimacy and purity in our marriages. God, just help us walk with you. Uh, just, just lead us, guide us. We thank you, God, that we don't have to do it alone on our own strength, but by your Holy Spirit, you're there to help us. In your name we pray, amen. Why don't you stand? We're gonna uh, close and go out if you're singing. Uh, again, I just wanna encourage you, uh, fill those connection cards. Uh, you can drop them off in the basket in the back. It's just a great way for you to communicate with us. Um, we can be praying for you. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, if you just go to our homepage, mymosaicchurch.com, you scroll to the bottom, there's a contact form on the bottom. You can just fill out a prayer request down there. We'd love to pray for you, follow up with you. Um, again, we wanna be community praying for each other, uh, just, uh, just doing life together. Uh, if you're a guy, I wanna invite you to hate tomorrow night. A bunch of us will be at Buffalo Wild Wings uh, around seven o'clock. We just hang out, we watch football, we talk, we connect. Uh, it's an easy invitation. We, we do a little bit of life on life talking, but really it's just hanging out. It's just developing friendships. And then we have community groups on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, we've got lots of opportunities to connect. So, uh, but may you know that you don't have to just try harder, do better, that Jesus is with you and that his Holy Spirit is inside of you. Uh, let's go out if you're singing this last song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.